0: Boys and girls, and here we are with another story podcast chapter from our book, The Secret Journey of the Silver Reindeer. Last we heard, Ashlak had just come back from Kusisma's tent, where he and his grandmother went and visited the wise old man to get some understanding about what happened to their herd of reindeer. During that visit, Kusima said a lot of really interesting and kind of mysterious things to Ashlak. One was about his grandmother's death. The other was about how Ashlak was going to encounter somebody waiting for him back at his own tent where his family was waiting. And how this person was going to be somebody who Ashlak should not trust. Well, it seems that we heard that when Ashlak did return to the tent, his uncle, Dira, and the mayor were there waiting for him. Ashlak has a lot to figure out, and I really hope that he finds the strength and courage within him to be the leader of his family and not let his uncle steal away the family's fortune and the family's herd of silver reindeer. But we'll have to wait and see what happens in our next chapter in order to find out. It was time that Ashlack and his family Mourn the old grandmother and take her body out near the rear of the kacha through the opening only used in the time of death. For small though a kacha was, each place in it had its purpose, the food and utensils and goods always in the same area. The head of the household in one spot by the hearth children and old people here, friends and strangers there. For no one might enter a lap tent without being bidden, nor disturb an empty tent if a log lay across the entrance showing the owner's absence. Respect for custom was great among his people, and impatient as Ashlack was to move his kacha and be off on a secret journey, he first took care of his grandmother's rights. The village was now in a turmoil over the death of Great Journey's widow, the return of the second son, Maga, and the fate of five orphaned children and the silver reindeer. Ashlak could not make open preparations to leave, nor could he whisper his plans to the children, for fear they would innocently give them away. Anxiously he watched the weather. Moss under the snow was scarce and hard for the deer to find. Each day the forest rang with axe blows as men chopped down pines entangled with the black beard moss of Lapland. So the deer at least could eat that. But still the snow was too deep to take the deer from the forest nor did Ashlak wish to travel alone on his skis to the mountains, for he distrusted his uncle too much to leave his herd and family behind. They must all go together. In the meantime, Uncle Dira, saying his return was a shock to his nephew, moved into the teacher's turf and timber kacha. Every night, he sat drinking coffee in telling of his travels to anyone who might come and listen, and many did. Even Dirka, to Aslath's dismay. On the day when the sun, for the first time since autumn, rose above the horizon, people rushed from the Kator, scattered through the forest to the shores of the lake, where they could clearly admire the sun. They laughed and sang. Dogs barked and raced. Boys and girls who attended the teacher's lessons became impatient for school to end. The pastor knew his church would soon be poorly attended and rang his bell for service all the harder. Ashlach felt the sun's brief warmth for four days, and on the fifth, after the evening meal, he lingered by the hearth. I am going to the teachers, said Dirka, to listen to the tales men tell. Go, said Ashlak. But if Derry comes and stands at the door, step quietly outside at once and obey her message. When Dirka had gone, Ashlak said to his sisters, I know you are brave and will do what I say. Tonight we leave for the spring camp and we must reach the far mountains quickly this year. We will prepare everything now and force the deer off if we must. But I shall leave 20 deer to Uncle Dira, as he is too greedy not to accept them, and they will keep him longer on the trail than if he traveled alone. Now, I will put six sledges here by the kacha, pack four quietly. In the first, Terry will ride with deerty. The last will carry the tent poles. Dirka and small journey will drive the herd tonight. Merja and I will lead the string of sledges. When all is ready here, we will fetch Dirka and depart. Quickly the girls packed the sledges, or akor, with boxes and cooking pans, food and fours. Ashlak quietly rounded up the Hakar. Deer broke into bare burdens and pulled the sledges. He tied cloth around the clappers of their bells in order to keep them silent. Now he was glad their kacha was farthest away from the church and the log school and the teacher's hut. When one of the dogs yipped, he shushed it. But the sound that worried him the most was that of the deer, the grunts they would make like thousands of complaining bronchial old men, and the click, click, click of their hooves as they ran. As it was not the touch of hoof to ice that made the noise, but the vibrating of a tendon over a bone inside the hoof. There was no way of disguising it. It was one of the deer's ways, along with the musky odor and a flash light white tail of finding each other in a storm and mist. In quick time, the household was packed, and Ashlak and Mirza pulled down the cloth of the kacha and loaded the poles onto the last of the akha. He sent Thierry to bring Dirka. That boy loved the bustle of Winter Village and the schoolmaster's books. He would be lonely on the trail, and lonelier than ever when he heard Ashlack's plan. But he came, and seeing the preparations, he was sure to follow Ashlack's orders. Quietly we shall lead the string through the forest and wait on the lake. Find Bighorn, the herd leader, and tie his bell so it will not ring. And then Shaggy One, the herd follower, Drive Bighorn toward the lake with your lasso and make sure Shaggy One follows. Then the rest will go, and Small Journey will keep them together. The dogs will help. Not this time, Ashlax showed Pirka four unhappy dogs, all muzzled. We cannot risk their barking. Someone might try to stop us from leaving the village, and we must have a full day's start on Diramaga. Ashlak, why do you fear him? Don't you think he means what he says? That if he is head of the family, he will provide for us all? I not only distrust him, I am warned against him. You must believe me, Durka, and do as I say. And before you and small Urni begin to drive the main herd, count off twenty and leave them in the corral for strays beyond the church. Here is a message to hang around the neck of one, saying they are the gift of Ashlak Maga, head of the family, to Deer Maga. Then let us hope no one finds them before morning. Fortunately, a wind rose and wailed through the trees, hiding the sounds of the deer away from the teacher's hut where the men now sat, chanting a joik about the sun's return. The touch of sun in the daytime had softened the snow crystals, so the cold dark of night brought a hard, firm crust. With cloven hooves, the deer could run once more across the crusty snow, and the sledges could swing along to their gallop. Ashlak and Merja on their skis, Guided the strings of sledges, or Raji, while Dirka and small Jorni skied close to the herd. Above the stars gave little light, for they no longer burned with the stirring glitter of the Christmas skies. But the frozen snow cast a glow of its own as they rushed over lakes and bogs, through stands of stunted pines, snowed. Into the shapes of trolls, past bare branched willows flogged by winter gales, and on and on and on. At last, the far white hilltops caught the sun's first fire. Ashlak stopped to unmuzzle the dogs and untie the herd's leader bells. Then, leaving the string of sledges to Marja, He raced ahead to guide the herd away from the open plain to the shelter of a stunted forest. The day's warmth melted the crust, and the deer could no longer quickly cross the snow. So they rested and grazed. But there was no rest for the four big children and small journey. The sledge, harkar, were turned loose to forage, The cacha poles were put up in its canvas wrapped around. The fire was made and the cook kettle hung on its chain. They took turns eating and sleeping and watching the deer.